Shalom Haverim. It's Wednesday night. It's eight o'clock. And we'll start in a, a moment or two. As I mentioned before, it's kind of odd. I start at eight o'clock and not sure uh, who's listening and who's watching and who is out there. And so we want to give people a chance to gather. Our topic this evening is forgiveness. Appropriate, because this is Yamim Noraim, the the days of repentance, the Jewish holidays that fall between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the, the, the 10 days. And last week someone asked about asking forgiveness with people that don't want to listen to you or are difficult or bear a grudge. That was one of the questions. So I thought that would be a good topic for this evening since this is the time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, a time when we make amends, we meeting the Jewish people, when our holiday, when we make amends, when we ask for forgiveness, that asking forgiveness would be appropriate topic, or the whole topic of forgiveness, which is uh, talked about a lot, and it's a fairly popular topic on the news. When there is a mass shooting, when uh, there's a disaster, when something happens involving an individual, and the question comes up about forgiving those that committed whatever it was the news is focusing on. And so, given the question about forgiveness, I thought that would be our topic this evening. Forgiveness. And I'm going to do some repetition because people seem to come and go and join in, and it, it doesn't lend itself to a constant group, but... We're all involved in forgiveness, in, in, in forgiving people. There are things that people do to us. Let's start with forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is not about other people. Forgiveness is about you. And there's nothing wrong with being selfish. You know, being selfish is a term that's, that's thrown around all the time as if it's wrong or bad. No, it isn't. Nothing in and of itself is good or bad until we put it in context. So, forgiveness is something we do for ourselves. Let me give you an example. I was on the school board in Harford County for 10 years, president for five of those years. And I was out in the county a big box store, not quite, I don't remember where I've been, and someone came over to me and said, I will never forgive you for what you did. Okay. What was it? Wouldn't tell me. How, how could I? Wouldn't tell me. They just kept looking at me and saying, I'll never forgive you, I won't forgive you, and then they walked away. At that moment, I had a, a great revelation. You know, in the cartoons, the light bulb goes off. For 10 years, eight, nine years, 
I had been renting space. No, they rented me space in their head. Really? I had no idea what I did. Don't remember the incident. Yet, they had to keep telling themselves a story. They had to keep reminding themselves that I had done something so they would never forgive me. Didn't affect my life at all. Nothing changed. That's when I realized that many of us have the misguided idea that by forgiving someone else, it releases them. It does something to them. Didn't do anything to me. I have no idea why that person couldn't forgive me. And I went on with my life. And I now I remember the incident as I'm telling it to you as an example. They somehow thought, yes, I do answer religious questions. Rabbi Block at hotmail.com, please submit your religious questions. Many of us are belaboring under the misconception that by forgiving someone, we're releasing them. We're doing something to them. We're, for, we're acknowledging something. Not true. That's a perfect example. Here was an individual that can't forgive. And I think maybe to this day, they still can't forgive me. So who is the one that is troubled? Who is the one that is bothered? And then I began to think how many other people are annoyed, angry with me, and will never forgive me. How many other people have allowed me to stay in their head? See, this is how it works. If he can't forgive me, he has to keep telling the story over and over again. He has to keep reminding himself, or she has to keep reminding themselves of what happened. And that takes them away from living. Hmm. That really makes me very powerful. I, 10 years, I am preventing a lot of people from having a good time, from living life. Because it takes energy to keep going over and over, to retelling the story over and ever. I don't know anywhere that the Talmud says that Non, that Jews can lie to non-Jews. Please, Rabbi Block at Hotmail.com, send me the quote. Send me that piece. You just said it. I want to know where it came from so I can address it because if it's true, I want to comment on it. I know of no such thing. I've never read it. So please, enlighten me. Really, there's no other way. I have to know. Forgiveness. That's our topic this evening. And I just brought up that example from someone who could never forgive me. And I bet they're still out there. It's been 50 years. And they're still not forgiving me. That's my point this evening. Forgiveness is about us. Forgiveness comes from God to us, but not to other people. And that's what Yom Kippur is about. When we go in on Yom Kippur, we reconcile with God. Because I am my favorite prophet, Jonah, the reluctant prophet. I love Jonah. Someone just asked me, who's my favorite prophet? Look, God went to Jonah 
What's the first thing Jonah did? God said, go west, go east. Jonah went west. God said, I want you here. He went to a boat. My favorite prophet, because in the end, God and Jonah had a conversation. You can't run away when God calls you. Ah, let me give you another example. During, when someone dies, we have a, a week of mourning, sometimes just three days. It's called Shiva. The word Shiva means seven. And we, we receive comforters. We receive people in our homes while we're sitting Shiva, while we're at home for seven days. People come in to offer condolences to talk about the deceased. Okay? I'm not sure how many years ago this happened, but I had a funeral. And we do a, a service at the home. Uh, sometimes three days, sometimes two, sometimes all of seven. It's not important. The, the concept is how much time do I need to receive people? We don't want to be slaves to some arbitrary rules that someone came up with that they thought was a good idea and anything less is wrong. No, 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 no. Besides my book, How to Be Jewish in 30 Seconds, will be coming out in October. I'll tell you more about it and how to pick up copies. And we're going to start on Kickstarter. How to Be Jewish in 30 Seconds. How not to be a slave to rules that people made up. But that that's for later. Okay, I'm at the house of Shiva. I'm talking to people. And there's two groups, kind of people gravitated in the living room to two sides. And I started talking to one group. And they said, we can never forgive them for what they did. Okay, what happened? I couldn't get anything concrete. It was very vague. All about so I got a little snack, I drifted over to the other side and I talked to the other people. We'll never forgive them. Oh, what happened? Well, it happened a long time ago, and we're not gonna forgive and I kinda drifted back and forth and around the room. I left. I never found out why group A could never forgive group B, or why group B could never forgive group A. Another example, time and energy spent remembering, this had gone on so long, people couldn't even tell me what it was about, not specifically. All they knew is we, uh, I'm Reform, non-Orthodox. No one could be specific. Again, that's my point this evening. It takes a lot of time and energy to keep telling the story, to keep remembering, to tell it to everyone you know, to keep it alive. While we're doing that, we're not living life. We're not enjoying anything because our psychic, emotional energy is being spent reviewing why we can't forgive them, okay? Forgiveness is not for them. It doesn't mean we approve what someone else did. It doesn't mean we sanction it. What it means is I have come to an understanding about my feelings about that event and I'm letting it go so that the space in my head can be taken up with something more pleasant. Remember those people? And it wasn't just one person that couldn't forgive me what I did on the school board. There were many, many people. 
time, energy that was spent in here. I'm not referencing any particular book or chapter. I'm 77. I'm talking about my 100-year experience of being a rabbi in the field. This isn't theoretical. I spent 40 years as a chaplain in a psychiatric hospital, a veterans for the VA. And I'm bringing you my experience as a rabbi, as a chaplain, spent 10 years on the school board. I was co-facilitator of a cancer support group for 30 years. I worked in hospice. So what I'm reflecting both this evening and on other YouTube are my experiences. Just reflections, just pointing out things, commenting, presenting them to you so that maybe you could benefit from some of the things I've experienced to save you some agony, to save you some torture. And forgiveness will save you a lot of torture. Now, there are individuals who will say that if the person you're forgiving doesn't make amends, if they don't change their lifestyle, if they don't do a... No, that's political. And that's not about forgiveness. Now we're using forgiveness for a political agenda, to change the world. No, that's not what forgiveness is about. It's about my feelings towards someone else in relation to an event that happened. It happened. And I'm harboring feelings. How do I let go so that I can move on, so that I can stop renting space in my head to those people? Think about it, 10 years on the school board, hospice, chaplain, psychiatry. How many people are annoyed or angry with me? It's kind of frightening. For me, it's very, very sad that someone out there, many, many someones out there are telling the story, are reviewing what I have done, and they're never going to forgive me. But the only way they could not forgive me is to keep telling the story, is to keep it going, to keep me in their mind. I've gone on with my life. I don't even know why they're not forgiving me. I don't even remember the events. I have nothing to do with it. I'm very happy. They are unhappy. That's why forgiveness is good selfishness. It really is, because it frees us, it frees our mind. And that's my message for this evening. If someone just posted, the Talmud said that Jews can't lie about anything, tell them what, thank you. But I'll watch my email for the person that said that. Oh, I just missed the end of that, that piece. Now, people are quoting sacred scripture, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the Greek scriptures. These are all sacred documents. However, some people are treating them as if they're literally true. Now, I've said this before. I want to put this out there again. I believe that all sacred literature is truth and it's not true. 
Now, I'm speaking for all sacred literature, but I want to focus on Hebrew scripture, on the prophets, on the Torah. The Torah is truth, and it's not true. Where people were writing about their experiences with the divine. Mm -hmm. And so, how do we talk about the divine? We concretize it. We tell parables. In fact, Jesus said, I speak to you in parables. Think of, look at some of the quotes of Jesus. Jesus was a, a rabbi, a preacher. What do we do? We take the truth and we put it in stories. We put it in a context that's understandable. Otherwise, it would be so philosophical, so deep, that we couldn't deal with it. That's why the Torah is truth and it's not true. So when someone starts quoting something, well, Isaiah said, Jeremiah, surely the prophet did say that. However, the prophet is teaching us, is putting things in story, in midrash, in a language we can understand. Uh, and therefore, we don't want to get bogged down in the sin of literal-mindedness. And that that is a sin, the sin of literal-mindedness. Thinking, and then it says in the Psalms, all flesh is grass. No, it's not. Because it's teaching a truth. Grass springs up in the morning, it flourishes. In the evening, it's mowed down and died. Isn't that true of our lives? We get older, nothing is permanent, and we die. So we're not talking about grass. It's a way to convey a truth. So let's be really careful about quoting scriptures and holy literature as if this was some kind of a, a truth. Let's get at the truth of the statement. What's being taught? Yeah, wearing a yarmulke. Let's let's talk about that for a minute. It's kind of it's kind of deep. Judaism is an Eastern religion and grew up in the Middle East. Covering one's head is a sign of respect in the East. When you watch the news, you'll see individuals from Arab countries wearing a kafiyah, a head covering, because in the Middle East culture, covering your head is a sign of respect. In the West. Uncovering your head when you walk in a church, you take your head off, is a sign of respect. Purely cultural. Nothing sacred. It's not in the Torah. It's nowhere in the scripture. It comes out of a Middle East tradition to show respect. Okay, I live in the West, but I'm using an Eastern tradition to show that I have respect for you, Habibi. I'm covering my head. And again, watch the news. And you'll see when when it pans the Arab countries and the Middle East, men cover their head. Nothing about God. It's cultural. It's a sign of cultural respect. And that's why I wear a yarmulke, to show respect. Yeah, you're right. It's not in the Torah. It's not in the Talmud. It comes out of a cultural... Just like you say please and thank you here in the United States. Habibi, how do you be? How do you how do you show? How are you polite? Please and thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, the Talmud 
is the rabbinic discussion of the oral laws that took place a couple of hundred years on the year zero in Babylon and Jerusalem. And it's worth looking at because they were scholars. They were closer to some of the sources. And so we can learn from them. But they don't have the last say. They're not the Jewish police. They don't tell us what to do and what not to. Remember what I teach. I'm a rabbi. My job is to teach and then get out of the way so you can find your way to the one. And that's very, very important. We don't want to elevate the Talmud or any sacred literature because as you read it, there are inconsistencies, there's this, there's that. And that's because it's teaching truth and it's not true. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate through the obligations where... Forgiveness is for you, Habibi. You need to let go so that you don't rent space to someone else in your head, so you don't spend your time It's time to say, this individual did these things. They hurt me. They hurt my family. What am I going to do with those feelings? We work through forgiveness to help us release those feelings so I can move on. I may never talk to that person again. That's okay. I may never have any contact with that person again. That's okay. What I am doing is I am saying I am not linked to them And those events, I'm going to move on in my life. And I might be sad. I might still be angry. Forgiveness and anger are not mutually exclusive. I can have anger. And we'll talk about that in a subsequent session. Letting go of anger. Again, I keep coming back to it's about us. It's about all of us. And we want to forgive. You know, Winston Churchill once said, I'm going to paraphrase, I don't remember the quote about democracy. All forms of government are bad, but democracy is the best of them. And so here in the United States, we have a form of capitalism and good, it has good points, it has bad points. But we don't want to condemn the entire system. We don't want to collapse the system. We don't want to shut government down. Uh I'm going into captivity. Captivity is in here. You know, we put ourselves in a cell and forget that we are holding the key that can unlock us and let us out. Like Winston Churchill said, democracy is the best form of all kinds of badness. Remember, we've talked before about government. And we do need a military. There are individuals who want to destroy us and our country. 9-11. And so it's important to have military. And no one in the military wants a war. We don't want to fight. No. Mm-mm. 
Yeah, you know, we can go to Spain, we can go to Portugal. We can find the happiest people in the known universe are in the Scandinavian countries. We want to look to them. Why? Why? Because they forgive and they take care of each other. They're not vengeful as a government, as a country. They're not looking to get someone. They don't believe that everyone is out to get them. Very high taxes. And people play it, pay it gladly. Because in the Scandinavian countries, people are glad to support each other. One of the weaknesses and strengths of being an American is that we look out for ourselves sometimes at the expense of others. And then we look at our, we look out for others at our own expense. Yeah, the expulsion from Spain of Jews and the Moors. Big mistake. Big mistake. It's always been a mistake to blame them <coughs> for individual problems. No. Uh, Habibi, Habibim, we're in this together. That appears to be the key to happiness, to acknowledging that we all need to be happy and we can help each other. God isn't testing anybody. What kind of a God would that be? The one has presented, it's a, a universe. There's all kinds of good going on. There's no test going on. There's no torturing of anybody. What, what do you want me to quote? What teaching? Do unto others. Don't do that which is hateful. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. Give the cloak. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, uh, I think the internet's wonderful. I think we all need a place where we can express ourselves and put it out there. You know, sunshine is a great sanitizer. If you harbor all kinds of thoughts and you write them down, it's not healthy for you. Many of you never heard of Sylvia Plath, uh, but you have now. She wrote a book called The Bell Jar. You probably never heard of a bell jar, but you've seen it in old science fiction movies. It's a glass container on a wooden platform that seals in what you want to preserve so that the air can't contaminate or destroy it. And it was the bell jar. A wooden circle base, a glass open on the bottom, and once you placed it on the specimen, it kept the air out. Sylvia Plath wrote, I feel like I'm inside a bell jar breathing my own stale air. What a great image. It's a vacuum. It's a way of creating a vacuum. And I think the internet, and I think what we're doing, your questions are extremely important. Because rather than breathing your own stale air, you're putting it out there, you're asking questions. Now this is the important piece, Habibi. Listen to the answers. Don't keep breathing your own stale air. Don't always listen to the news channel that support your view. Listen to all the different stuff and then form an opinion.
we're coming close to the end of our time together. I'll be live next Wednesday night at eight. And I'm going to post a few more TikToks about forgiveness. Yes, I am Jewish. Mm -hmm. Jewish parents. I'm practicing confusion. No, there's nothing confusing. Getting rid of an apprise a practice. Couple of things here. Our expectations do us in. Let's take a look at our expectations and compare them to reality. But most of all, remember I've said this to you before, I don't want you to believe me. Don't believe me. Look out the window. See if what I'm saying makes sense. Test it in your life. Test some of the things I'm saying. Um, I'd like to leave us with a prayer this evening. May God give you peace of mind and peace of heart. May you be blessed with the love of family and friends. May God grant you strength when you need to be strong. Let illness, hate, and natural disaster not trouble you. May God grant you serenity and fulfillment. And finally, let me end. Chaverim. We pray that the year 5784 will be a year of peace and safety for all the inhabitants of the known universe. Shalom. I'll see you next Wednesday at 8. And possibly in views during the week.